Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey man, thank you for listening to my interview with Andrew Bauman, who has been on the podcast many times before, but it's been too long. Andrew is incredible. He is one of the leaders in this field, helping men outgrow porn and become sexually mature. I'm really excited because he is going to be leading our upcoming virtual retreat, where we are going to be exploring our stories, our trauma, our shame, reparenting our inner child, and important for today's episode, becoming in tune with our bodies and reclaiming our masculine power. Guys, we are going to grow in strength, kindness, and courage with Andrew as our leader. And if you want to understand more about what that's all about, keep listening. Enjoy the episode. Today, I am welcoming back to the show, after an absence that has been too long, my friend and colleague, therapist, and founder of the Christian Counseling Center for Sexual Health and Trauma, Andrew Bauman. Hey, hey Andrew. glad to be back. Today, we are talking about the body and why we need the body to outgrow porn. Why are you so passionate about this topic? Yeah, I mean, it, it like most things, it comes from my own story, right? My own story of addiction, my own story of basically annihilating my body into submission, right? Working so hard to white knuckle it, to have uh, victory over porn, to read the Bible more, to, to do all these things, pray more, consider cutting off my balls, right? Like, uh, like that's to annihilate my body as means to heal. And that didn't work. Um, no, I did not cut off my balls, but um, I did a lot of pain. I did a lot of harm to my body and realizing it got me no closer to liberation. It actually got me further into addiction realizing that God lives in me, God lives in my body. And the deeper I go within my body, the deeper I go into God. Um, and that's where I found liberation. Amen. I love what you said, that God lives in my body. The deeper I go into my body, the deeper I go into God. But you didn't always think this way. Correct. When did you begin to start working with the body as a therapist? Yeah, I think realizing that talk therapy just doesn't cut it, right? Realizing that, wait, we've got to bring more to this work. Something's missing in my own practice. Something's missing in my own therapy. Um, and then beginning to push myself to really uncomfortable places, right? Part of what we tell our clients all the time is, what is your edge? Where are you going to push yourself to your edge? And we, And that was beginning to get my body into the game right? Not just my mind. I'm I'm fairly smart. And so when I would meet with these, you know, different therapists, my own therapist, it's just like, I could talk circles around people and realizing like, wait a minute, they think I was just really vulnerable. I wasn't at all. Um, but I was articulate and I could name it well. And in a sense, I left there unchanged. I left there un unpushed to my edge, but they thought I went to my edge because I knew how to use the language. Right. So I became a master of the therapeutic language without engaging my body and pushing my own vulnerable edge. So knowing that about myself, like, wait a minute, I can't ask my clients to go further than I've gone myself. So what am I going to do to push myself? 
What am I going to do to become wildly uncomfortable? And this is when I began to do my own somatic body work, um, do my own, you know, psychodrama, my own even tunnel therapy, which is, you can read about that in my book, The Sexually Healthy Man, but basically like really pushing myself to engage my body and integrate where previously trauma had disconnected me from myself. I know what you mean when you say that. And I wonder if there might be some people who are like, wait, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean that trauma disconnected you from yourself? Yeah. So a a way to think about it is, um, and those are just hearing audio, you'll just have to visualize it. But imagine your hands, your fingers interlocking. All right. And we are an integrated self. We grew up into our family of origin. Um, We are an integrated self. We then suffer big T, little T trauma, whatever it is. But those traumas, however severe or minor, they begin to disconnect us. They begin to uninterlock our finger, uninterlock. I don't even know if that's a word, whatever. We begin to disconnect, right? Our intertwined fingers. And then that one part of us, so imagine the right hand gets stuck there in that age, seven, okay? Eight, nine, 12, I don't care what it is. So we begin to grow older. Imagine left hand rising, right? We grow older into our, you know, 30, 40 year old selves. And that part of us remains seven, remains 12. That's the inner child work. That's the part of us that uses porn. That's the adolescent self that we're trying to soothe. That's the one that gets stuck in our bodies. And so to go back into that work, to go back into the body, to go back, reparent, rescue the stuck little boy is the much of the essence of our work that we do. Yeah, that's exactly what we emphasize at Husband Material. Heal the boy and the man will appear. Yes. But why are words not enough? Why can't we just talk to that little boy? Yeah, um, words are a part of it, right? The words are a part of it. Um, but yeah, I just think it doesn't get deep enough. If the body keeps the score, if our body, literally trauma is stuck in the sinew of our body, then we need to engage that part of our body. What's the story of your penis? What's the story of your chest, your voice, your face, your nose? Every body part has a story. Will you engage that story? Will you run from it? Will you be ashamed of it? Will you be silenced? Right? Will you become integrated? And that's our that's our work. That's so, so important. And yet, I still know that some guys are listening to this like, okay, the body keeps the score. I've, I've heard of that. Isn't that a book? Mm-hmm. It is, and you should read it because it's awesome. Um, but yeah, the, the body literally traps trauma in it. So I may have shared this story before, but I don't remember. I'll share it again, uh, even if I have with you. Um, but basically early on in my practice, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, working with a client and we're talking about our bodies, engaging our bodies. And I tell her to close her eyes, take a few deep breaths. And she, and I'm like, okay, what do you feel in your body? You know, trying to be all wise and kind. And she says, my right calf. And I'm like, what? Like, I almost like, it's like, uh, I don't think she's getting it. Right. I don't think she's understanding the exercise. 
And I'm like, well, okay, tell me about your right calf. Like I just kind of leaned into it. And then she stops and she goes, that is where he grabbed me. And I said, tell me more. And we then go into the story 30 years prior where she was date raped and he grabbed her on her right calf. How in the world does her right calf still remember? Because that was the moment of violation. That was the moment of violence, right? That was the doorway into the violence. And her calf remembered. And so how do we heal that trauma? Well, in that moment, it was through the doorway of the calf, right? That was the door. That was the entrance where she could finally enter into the trauma, right? And we have to enter the trauma to release the trauma, to let go of the trauma, because trauma unaddressed is trauma reenacted. We relive the trauma if we don't address it. In our present day relationships, it comes out again and again and again until we actually address the core wound. Right. And it also comes out in our sexual behavior and our attachment to porn. No doubt. No doubt. So how does healing trauma help us outgrow porn? Well, we sexualize our wounds, right? We are, that's one of the main ways I think we do is we eroticize that woundedness. So I feel <clears throat> lonely. I feel uh, like an orphan in my house. Okay. My parents split up when I was eight. Uh, my mom went numb to try to heal from her trauma from my father's betrayal. So I felt orphaned. So what do I do with that orphanness? Right? Well, the healthy, a healthy way to deal with it would be parents pursuing you, right? Parents engaging. Hey, I see that you're distance. I see that you're sad. I see you. Let's talk about it. Let's engage it, right? That wasn't my experience. Sadly, that's not many men's experience. And so what do I do? I go inward, right? I go in my mind. I go in my head. I go in my body, not knowing that I need soothing, but then slowly begin as internet becomes a thing and my neighborhood friend exposes me to HBO after his parents go to bed, exposes me to pornography begins to show me how to do it, how to erase the history on the internet. I begin to soothe that little boy through toxic means, right? Through objectification of women, which then grows my pornographic mindset, which then grows my pornographic style of relating that I then begin to do relationship like what I view in pornography, right? And so that is kind of the beginning of where my trauma then, right, becomes, uh, I find another traumatized way to soothe that wound that first, you know, starts with just genuine curiosity because of the silence, but then leads to its own entrapment. And so many of us began using porn as boys. Yes, no doubt. And so now as men, it's that little boy who's still attached to it. Yes, no doubt. Yeah, we still feel like we need it, right? And as long as that little boy remains unhealed, that drive is going to be very strong. And we can try all the tips and techniques, but until you get to that core, it's not really going to matter. Yeah. Can you share an example 
of what it looks like to really become sexually mature and integrate these parts of us? Yeah. So when we tell our stories, right, we, we don't just tell them, we actually enter them, right? So whatever that is, um, so a tragic story of, you know, your mother's abandonment, right? Your father's abuse. Then we go into that story. We go into the room. We relive the story to make your body remember, right? We go into it. And then we begin to reenact that story. We we begin because we can't change the facts of what happened, but we can change the meaning of what happened. And that's very important because when those stories happened, we felt powerless, right? We felt because we were, we were powerless, um, but we, we need to get our power back. So we reenact these stories, whatever, however traumatic. So um, one of, you know, I remember a story and I'll leave any identifying information out, but a story of, of a perpetration of abuse. Okay. And he was feeling regret, right? But we really needed to go into the story. So we begin to move towards the bed. I have a bed in my office. So the men surround the bed. The gentleman whose story this is gets on the bed and begins to tell the details, the particularities of the story. And he begins to act out the story, right? He begins to feel what that was like to perpetrate that violence. Later, he then, we, I then have him move to the victim of the story and reenact the story again but somebody else is on top of him, right? Then, right, so we're, we're entering in the story from multiple different windows, and what does that do to his body? He feels grief like he's never felt before. He not only feels what it was like to be somebody who violated, to be the violator versus the one who was violated, right? Like he feels both. So he can sympathize and grieve with the, the woman he hurt, he can also begin to grieve that he became that type of man who would perpetrate such horrific violence, right? So he didn't just tell the story. He lived the story. Yeah. And when we do that, it allows us to rewrite the story. Exactly. Exactly. Now, will that story forever be part of him? Yes. Right? You can't not have that a part of his story. Will there ever be grief, regret, healthy shame? Yes, there should be, right? Uh, but he can let go because he's been able to grieve. He can move beyond it. And so we enter the story fully so we can move beyond the story. I love that. So by playing that role again, he can now let go of that role mm -hmm. and separate from being the violated or the violator. Exactly. Which is so awesome. I want to share some of my experience. Would that be all right? Oh, yeah. Love, love to hear it. I got to attend a weekend group intensive with Andrew. And as part of that experience, we got into my story. It was a story about being sent away with my sister to stay with my aunt for a few weeks in the summers when I was a boy without my parents. 
And although I initially did not think of this as traumatic, I always told myself those were happy memories. The truth was I felt trapped and powerless Mm -hmm. in her care. And Andrew allowed me to reenact that through having me lie down on the floor and putting a weighted blanket over me, just like I would be sleeping in a sleeping bag in my aunt's tent, sleeping right next to her on that camping trip. And then all the guys piled on top of me, smothering me, suffocating me, holding me down. And then he said, get up. Mm. And in that moment, I felt a superhuman strength (laughs) rise up. And I became like the incredible Hulk. (laughs) I threw these guys up and I fought my way out. I will Mm. never forget that experience. Beautiful. And it allowed me also to say things to my aunt that I had felt but never expressed out loud. Yes. And that is exactly what I needed to continue growing up. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so what did you feel in your body as you did that? What did you feel remembering that story from that moment on? Now, when I think of that story, I see my strength. I see my power. I see how I have a voice. Yes. And you recreated meaning. Yeah. We have new meaning associated with that story. I mean, the old meaning was how nice that I got to spend this time out in nature with a family member. Now, when I look back at that story, I didn't like it a lot of the time. And I wish my parents had been there. And so I allow myself to feel what that little boy felt and to not put some kind of glossy filter over it. Exactly. But really grieve, really be honest about it. And then grow up and, and literally rise up. From that place. Beautiful. Which was really important because at the time when we had done that, I was having some icky conversations with my aunt that I just needed to finish. So you brought that into your fullness of your body, right? And so that has to come not just with the power of standing up, but also integrated with your voice, right? So use your voice as you get up, right? Use it like we're trying to bring the fullness out of roaring, of primal, primal strength, right? So it can get into your body. Yeah. And sadly, you know, it's a rarity, especially in the Christian world, this type of therapeutic engagement, because it's been so, you know, pray more, you know, read your Bible more, like it almost just like, just completely negates science and like what God has, the way God has created us. Yeah. Whereas what you had me do was basically living out the gospel Mm. because I was buried and then I rose from the dead. Amen. You felt your crucifixion. Yeah. So you could taste your resurrection. Oh, so good. (laughs) That was it right there. And although there is a special power to doing it all in person, and I would highly recommend going to North Carolina or Washington State, Woodby Island, and spending some time with Andrew, we are going to offer a version of this 
virtually at the upcoming retreat called Becoming Husband Material. Andrew is going to be leading that. So, Andrew, what would you like to say about doing this work on Zoom? Yeah, obviously it's different. It's not the same. And yet I would rather you do it than not. Right. So financially, you know, you can't pay the thousand dollars or whatever to come see me. Like this is this is a great option. This is a great option to get into the work. Maybe this is your first kind of foray into the work. Well, dip your toe in. The water's great. Come on. Right. Like try it out. Um you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of therapy. And yet I think this is going to save you money in the end, right? By getting, jumping in and doing this work. Um, you will not regret it. Your your partner will not regret it. Your children will not regret it. Uh, doing this work now so you don't continue to pass on what was passed on to many of us. Yes. And that's really our hope with this is that your partner, your wife, or your future wife will thank you for doing this work, for getting into your body, for learning how to address your inner child, for redeeming your power. Mm-hmm. Yes. You no, know, the experience I shared earlier was not about becoming some kind of dominant person. It was right. about reclaiming my power and my voice so that now I don't have to use it in a bad way. Exactly. Exactly. We, uh, I'm all about being strong, right? I'm all about being kind, like not just being nice, but being kind, not, not just being, you know, weak, but vulnerability is strength, right? And so we can be fully masculine and be fully powerful and yet use our power for good and liberation rather than perpetrating harm and violence. Amen. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So if you want to sign up for this, go down to the link in the show notes or go to husbandmaterial.com and you can sign up for the upcoming virtual retreat with Andrew Bauman. And I've also included links to all of Andrew's books. He's got a newest one called How Not to Be an Ass, Becoming a Good and Safe Man. Andrew, what's your favorite thing about this work? It's got to be working with these, these men, um, you know, we get new, new groups of men just constantly coming in and the courage, right. It's like, you can get so discouraged online and what, you know, where are all the good men? And then, yeah, it's like, wait, I see them every week. I see these men who, yeah, they might be lost. They might be orphaned. They might not know, but they're doing the work. Like women have hope. There are men, a few good men that are doing the work that literally bleeding and suffering um, so that they can be different men. And yes, they have stories. Yes, they've done harm, but they are choosing to live differently and choosing to live out a different story. And for me to bear witness to that is one of the greatest honors of my life. That is the work of God in this world, in our bodies. Let it be. So, Andrew, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We'll see you soon. Yeah, hope to see you guys at the upcoming virtual retreat. And always remember, you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. Well pleased.